This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 5th of February. And Australia's getting a lot of vaccines, Norman, which is great. We've been waiting for them for ages. Uh, We heard yesterday that the Prime Minister had said Australia's secured an extra 10 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which was one that, uh, at least judging by the questions that we get, there's a lot of demand for because it's got a really high reported efficacy rate. But we're also getting millions of doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine and some for Novavax as well. If you add them all together, it's 150 million doses. And we don't have that many people in Australia. So why have we ordered so much. Insurance policy is one of them. So, for example, in the post-marketing, we might as well call it post-marketing or post-use surveillance, I suppose 100 million people or more as we speak have been immunised around the world. That'll be, that's almost out of date as soon as I speak the words. But it's still possible that as more vaccines come on the market, that rare but serious side effects emerge. So far, not. It's unlikely at this stage. Um, But you'd want to have a bit of insurance up your sleeve in case that happens. Then there's insurance about transmission control. The strongest evidence on transmission control actually at the moment comes from the ASTRA trial, where they're claiming now, and I don't think the, the, the data have been published, that it's 67% effective at reducing transmission. Well, if that's the case... The Astra vaccine. The Astra vaccine. If that's the case, then it's roughly the same as the level at which it prevents disease if you're giving two doses three or four weeks apart. So then you would assume on a scale-up basis, Pfizer and Moderna are going to have an even higher reduction in transmission rate, all to be proven in Israel, they, again, not, not published data, they seem to be showing reduced transmission rates. So basically what we're saying is, that, you know, in, in addition to not getting the disease because you're protected by the vaccine, you're also not passing the disease on to someone unwittingly. That's how this all ends. And it doesn't necessarily end with just preventing disease. It, which, which it, and I'll take that back, actually. It does a bit because if the vast majority of us, apart from, say, young children get immunised, then for, for Australia, COVID-19 becomes the common cold and we can relax a bit. But if, let's say, only 70% of Australians get immunised, 30% are vulnerable to severe COVID disease and less, I mean, we said this before on Coronacast, far less than 1%, far fewer than 1% have been infected. So that's an awful lot of Australians exposed to severe COVID disease, and we could have a terrible pandemic if that occurs. So you really want reduced transmission. And I imagine that if they can, and I was going to talk about this the other day, but the Kirby seminar that I attended, which we talked about in terms of vaccine hesitancy the other day, Rana McIntyre spoke about the data on on the vaccines. What you want is a vaccine that's much better than natural infection. And what you have with Pfizer and Moderna and probably Novavax are vaccines which are giving you a much better immunity, believe it or not, than the natural infection. Astra, it's not clear at the moment that it's much better. And if it's much better than natural infection, then it means it will last longer, be wider spectrum probably against variants and have a much higher chance of reducing transmission to a greater extent. So if you get 80% of the community covered with Pfizer and Novavax, at least on current data, then you're much, and they reduce transmission, you're much more likely to have a more protected population. And the people who don't get immunized are protected by the people who do. 
which is largely what happens with measles at the moment. We don't have measles in Australia. There are a small percentage of people who are not covered against measles. But the the fact that most of us are immune to measles and if we get infected with it, we don't pass it on, means that we're protecting the people who are not. That's what herd immunity is all about. The herd protects the few. And that's what makes anti-vaxxers, one of the reasons I'm so angry about anti-vaxxers is that they hitch a ride on the fact that everybody else gets immunised. So transmission reduction is very important. The news seems to be getting better and better with Astra, that the longer between doses, the higher the efficacy, seems to reduce transmission. It may not be that bad. And as I've said before, if Astra is the one on offer, that's the one I'm going to take um, because it will reliably, like the others, very reliably, turn COVID-19 into the common cold or even no symptoms at all. Well, one of the questions that we're getting a lot from our audience is who will be eligible to get these vaccines, not necessarily the people in the priority groups, but people who aren't necessarily Australian citizens or, you know, if I'm a if I'm a permanent resident, do I get it? But if I'm on a visitor's visa, do I get it? And yesterday, Greg Hunt, the federal health minister, said that anyone in Australia with a visa, including refugees and asylum seekers, will be getting uh, the vaccine, our vaccine, in order to achieve the maximum level of coverage. Absolutely. You cannot afford to sit on ideology with this one. And prisoners need it too. Prison is a high-risk transmission environment. So prisoners need it too. Anytime you've got large numbers of people in close quarters, that's a, a really a recipe for it to spread. What sits there behind that comment from the minister is herd immunity, is that the more people you, you, the fewer people you've got vulnerable, the more likely you are to reduce transmission of this virus and the prevalence of the virus in the community, as well as make it very unlikely that people are going to turn up in hospital with this disease. They're going to get a mild disease or none at all. So speaking of virus in the community, both people in Western Australia and in Victoria are watching really closely to see if the uh, hotel quarantine escapes that we've seen are going to turn into something more. But WA yesterday recorded another day of no new cases in the community. They're in full lockdown. It's, that was day number four for them. And Victoria is also looking pretty good. Yep. So, so far, so good. Um, and... Clearly, something odd happened in the Grand Hyatt and indeed the other hotel that were the spread between families. And this, this is all about to be sorted out, but it may well be that they never really find out what went on. But it's almost certainly going to be spread through the air at a distance from people with a high viral load or in the case of the family where I think there were five people in the room, there was just a lot of virus there, easy to escape. And it's and there were it turns out there were a few people on the same floor as this man in Melbourne. At least I think that's at least that's what Alan Cheng said at the press conference yesterday. In which case, again, exposed to virus through the air. No matter what the testing of the ventilation showed, it must be through the air. It's hard to see how else it could have happened. So there's some other really big coronavirus news happening next week, Norman, and it's that you are finally taking a holiday after 232 straight episodes of Coronacast. I am. Sadly, it won't be to rottenness, but, you know, that's for the future. I just live in hope. The quackers are waiting for you. So, yes, Norman... Oh, by the way, I must thank the anonymous person, they didn't leave the name, who sent me a pair of quokka... Socks. Oh, stop. Seriously. Uh, lovely quokka socks, which I will wear with pride when I land on in my shorts, sandals and long socks, you know, British style, um, on Rottnest. So thank you very much. And this is not, please do not send us any gifts, but I do have to thank this person for sending me these socks. I'm trying to think of a way to portmanteau quokka and socks and I'm like, swokkers? Yeah. Quoks? Yeah, yeah. Send us your suggestions. Quoks. 
quarks. Wear some quarks with your crocs, Norman, when you're on holidays. So I assume I'm irreplaceable for next week. Well, we sort of thought that any Scottish person might do, Norman. So we've lined up Ewan McGregor, David Tennant's going to come in, Mary Queen of Scots, uh, maybe that uh, that horse from Braveheart. That'll do the trick, won't yeah, it? Yeah, that'll be good. Excellent. Be good. They'll give us all their hot takes on jobbies and, I don't know, masks? And what do you Glasgow, like? And Glasgow kisses. And Glasgow kisses. No, seriously, we've got some really exciting experts lined up for next week. It won't just be me talking. So send in your questions as usual, abc.net.au slash coronacast. But we've got some questions to ask you before you leave, Norman. Are you ready for Quick Fire Friday? I am. Deep breath, ready to go. Quokka socks off. Okay, let's go. What medical conditions will prevent or limit COVID vaccination? Well, medical conditions, you can't call pregnancy a medical condition, but pregnancy at the moment is an open question because the vaccines have mostly not been tested in pregnant women. It's highly unlikely it's dangerous and different countries have different arrangements. We've yet to see what's going to happen here. So that's one thing. Young children is another, uh, again, just to be sorted out as time goes on. And as we get towards the end, we'll find out. People who are immunocompromised do need to have this immunisation. And it's quite likely that what they the immunisation that they should have is in fact the Pfizer one, because that seems to give a much stronger, deeper response. And if you're immunocompromised, you want to stimulate your immune system quite deeply. So th- th- there's that. People who've had an anaphylactic reaction need to be careful with the Pfizer vaccine, yet to be seen whether there's any reactions to the Astra one, but it's a compound in the Pfizer vaccine that does it. So, um, And at the moment, I, I don't know of any others, but if you're extremely frail and your doctor, the person's doctor would say, look, you know, you've only got a very limited time to live, then I think most people would say that you probably shouldn't have the vaccine because the stress on your immune system may be too much. Apart from that, it's not entirely clear who else would be contraindicated. What's the difference between the South African variant, the UK variant and the Brazil variant? Are they all the same thing or are they different? No, they're different. They have similar, they have some similar mutations in common, but they also have very different mutations. The Brazilian one, less is known. The South African one has taken over in South Africa, as the vaccine trial showed, so it's more contagious. And the UK one we know is more contagious. The, both the UK and the South African one reduce the effectiveness of the vaccine. The UK variant, that's the B117, it's a bit unfair calling it the UK variant, is only a little bit less effective, but it's measurable. And I think that was on the Novavax trial. And the South African variant is quite a bit less effective, but still effective and certainly effective in turning COVID-19 into the common cold. So that's the story as we know it at the moment. It was a very quick, quick fire Friday. We're out of time now, but thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. And I'll see you the week after. Bye for now. See you then.